I've always liked being a bit different, I guess, and there's a something that drew me to the idea of buying a pig. My dad's side comes from Malta, and my, my, my grandfather had pigs, my great-grandfather had pigs, my uncles had pigs. Don't know if it's just in the blood, something, something that comes to you, but um, you know, I've always been attracted to agriculture from a kid. This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. As a 13-year-old, David Rafalo received a six-week-old piglet from his father. He grew this piglet into a young gilt, and eventually it had a litter. After raising his first litter of piglets as a 14-year-old, he discovered all he wanted to do was grow pigs, and Rafalo free-range pork, was born. David, how are you? All right, mate, yourself? I'm good. It's a pretty wild ride as a um, 13-year-old to um, look after and raise um, a litter of pigs. What, what was that like? Um, I really enjoyed it, mate, from a young age. Um, as you just read out, um, farming is something that you really have to enjoy to do, I believe, as a job because it's so demanding and it takes a lot of your time up. Do you have any stories of, of that time and, and what it was like to, uh, as a 13-year-old to um, look after so many pigs and grow them? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was probably 12 years old and after annoying my dad for long enough, we eventually found somewhere I could buy a young piglet, a female gilt. And I had a, there was an old shed on the small farm where I, I grew up in outer Sydney and I spent a fair bit of time fixing it up. Um, after school, before school, etc., and um, finally got it all fixed up. Got my dad to take me to get this pig, and we chucked this pig into this yard. And within five seconds, it was out. And um, that's when I learned that con- concrete mesh isn't enough to hold in a six-week-old piglet. Wow! But uh, yeah, it's just small line. You went straight through, but you, know, you don't know how hard pigs are on fencing until you have them, really. And um, yeah, we caught him, put him back elsewhere, and I. I fixed it up, but um, yeah, that was my first memory as owning pigs or owning a pig. Once uh, you had that whole litter, uh, what was it like looking after so many um, compared to just the one original? Um, there's not much difference, mate. One piglet or a sow with piglets, it's um, nothing to what we do now, really. Um, but yeah, it was, you, you, I learned a lot as I went on. I was always asking for advice, and I read a lot of books on pigs as a kid. Like I reckon I read almost every pig farming book I could buy. And um, I had an uncle that used to farm pigs as well, so he was stopped when I started, but he also taught me a lot. And there's, there's a lot of farming in my family, so there was a lot of people mm-hmm. I could speak to for advice, etc. Tell us a bit about that that influence and the sort of advice and um, mentoring that you had at a young age about farming. How hard it is, pretty much, and how easy it is to go broke was what I was um, told and told again um, as, as a kid. And um, like even to where I am today, a lot of it come from what my dad told me and what one of my uncles, one of my uncles in, in particular, told me as a kid about how how important how important it is to buy something with a lot of water, and it's kind of what le- led me to this farm that I bought five or six years ago. Tell tell us a bit about where you are, the region, and why that farm is good for what you do. So we're located in Canoundra, Central West New South Wales, so half hour from Cara, an hour from Orange. 
it's just a very fertile region of New South Wales with a lot of groundwater. So in my area, we're between two rivers and then uh, there's a lot of bore water. So there's a lot of water under the ground here and like my farm or pretty much every farm on my road, we've all got very, very large bores. So my bore can pump out about a million litres in eight hours and we're, we're also a vineyard. So I bought a working vineyard and it's been it's been torn out slowly to to convert um, into pigs over the last five years and we're virtually now halfway where we're almost at 75 acres of pigs and um, we've still got 75 acres of grapes in that's been farmed. Why do pigs enjoy that environment and region so much? I think pigs just enjoy being outside in general. So um, a lot of their natural instincts come back to them. Um, I just... I've always really enjoyed having pigs outside. It's they're, they're very happy when they're outside. But saying that, we've got nothing against having pigs in a shed or intensive system. It's the way to – I really know why it was done 50 years ago because uh, free-range farming was very common years and years ago and then every, everything got locked up in a shed because of how hard it is to maintain production and all the issues you have when you're farming a lot of pigs outside. And the, the main thing is the weather. Tell us about the free-range system you have on the farm. So it's virtually it's virtually safe for one paddock. The pigs would be on it for half a year, so they'd be they'd be they'd be rotated on and off a paddock um, every couple of months. But the main goals are just to maintain uh, pasture, basically. And in the dry times, we can irrigate. We've got irrigation water here, as I said, and we've got sufficient sprinklers, etc to get water around and that's the main that's that's always been the main goal here is to maintain pasture uh, when it gets very wet or, or, or very dry it can be hard but we do a pretty good job of it i believe um we're also certified uh free range by the apic system that's offered by australian pork and then soil testing is a part of that as well to make sure there's not too much of a build-up of the pig manure in the ground and that happens every two years and just the, the processes there that will make hay or grain out of a paddock to remove the build-up of what the pig manure puts into the ground. Tell us about the different types of breeds that you um, are dealing with. So 90 or 80% of my sow herd is a hybrid called a hamrock. They're a Dural Hampshire cross. They're a, they're, a, they're a hybrid a good friend of mine come up with maybe 10 years ago and I tried one and I was always very lost on what breed to run outside because initially I was running large white pigs, so a white pig. And from my experience, white pigs don't do that great outside. Um, coloured, coloured sows in, in particular mm. perform a lot better. They, they don't get a, a sunburn, etc. So, yeah, 80% of our sales are ham rocks, and then I've come up with other hybrids off that. So, a ham red and then a ham white. They're just hybrids off the, um, off the ham rock, and then we run lines of – I've got a few fewer large whites, so I'm trying to convert, trying to breed and breed to get gilts out of them to suit the outdoor conditions better, and that's our line of boars, and then we run lines of Durox and Hampshire's as, as well. What's so great about those – breeds and why have you focused on them it's just the colored pigs suit outdoor conditions a lot better so but this is just from my experience the last 20 years we where i've dealt with pigs outside and summer infertility is a massive issue with the outdoor pigs so 
like I've never had that issue since we've got so many colour picks here. And then as well, we've got a pretty, pretty um, sufficient cooling system for when it does get hot. But um, it's just those white breeds are suited to a shed better, in, in my opinion. T- tell us a bit about the diet of the pigs and the role that it plays in the, the final sort of eating quality as well. So um, all of our all of our diets are mixed on farm. So we've got the gear to manufacture our own feed here. Um, wheat and barley are the, the main two grains that we source that we source locally off neighbouring farms usually. And then there's additional like soybean meal, meat meal, blood meal, fish meal that goes into the diets to make up what the what the pig needs to grow. And this is all done under guidance under our feed company that we buy a portion of our feed. In, in creating itself. What's a typical day on the farm for you? Um, get outside as it gets light usually. Um, so my system here is that I feed all my farrying sows. So my sows would think it was twice a day, morning and, and afternoon. So I'd feed, feed all them, be about a half hour job, um, do, do a lot of checks on all these piglets. So you're looking at maybe up to three or four hundred, up to three or four hundred piglets going through our farrowing area where our sows give birth. Uh, that can take anywhere from, as I said, half an hour to an hour. When you've got sows giving birth, it can take yeah a lot longer, maybe two hours. But that's only kind of once per month with our with our batch with our batch system that we have sows giving birth, um, twenty odd sows giving birth per month, and then. Um, Wow. So the three paddocks for our weaners, growers, and finishers. So weaner pigs are where our piglets end up after weaning, after, say, 10 to 15 kilos once they're weaned. And then from there, they're drafted out every three-odd weeks. And then anything above 60 goes into grower and then so on. Anything above 60 goes into finisher. Those three paddocks are on cell feeders, so we check them every single morning to, to check our straw level, feed level, and to inspect the pig's health every day. Can you run through the life cycle of um, a pig sort of from birth to sort of the back door of the kitchen through your process? So as I said, um, we, our sows, our our farrow all give birth in a batch system. So we have 20-odd sows giving birth every month and – we're 90% now AI, so we're buying semen from a artificial breeding place in Adelaide or just out of Adelaide. So we get the boar semen uh, delivered here as I order it. So we're going to wean today, and I've ordered semen already for the end of the week. We usually do this on a weekend, but I'm trying to avoid rain at the moment. We've had a lot of rain here, and I'm trying to avoid weaning pigs when it's too wet because that really that really knocks them. Um, so our sows give birth in Kurum panel uh, pig shelter, something that, that I've designed over the last 15 years. And um, I believe these have really helped our production over the years with heat and cold and wet, etc. So the sows, the sows give birth in these uh, Kurum panel shelters. Um, we run a, an intensive sow floor in them. It's just one of our ideas to keep these pigs dry and warm. So um, their process through the farrowing area usually ends at about six weeks when they're weaned. So we'd, we'd physically walk out all the sows and piglets into a laneway, get, get them to our yards and 
usually with myself and my farm hand, we'll cut out the sows and the sows will go to a holding paddock um, to wait to return to, to heat and then the weaners will go into the paddock of weaners. And then virtually the process starts again. Within kind of a couple of days to a week, these sows will cycle and they, they all get mated via artificial insemination and th then they go back to their paddock. So from that point of um, weaning, as I said before, they go through the grower phase into the finisher paddock and then we're selling, well, we sell anything kind of from eight kilo pigs up to north of 75 carcass. So we, the suckling pigs aren't weekly, uh, they were, but we're always trying to focus on more, more of the heavier pigs because we've got a lot of the, there's a lot of demand for either what we're doing. And um, so, yeah, the suckling pigs are just to order, like we said, 10 this week. And then our finisher pigs, um, yeah, they're sold anywhere from 50 kilos up to 75 or 80 kilos, really. And then we sell to about 20 butcheries across New South Wales and ACT, direct under our brand. There'll be about five or eight of them on a weekly basis, and then the, the rest of them you just hear from you just hear from them every now and then, basically. How important are chefs and restaurants to what you do? Do you have a, a market through through that avenue? Not directly. So we have in the past with our cycling pigs, but not directly right now. It is something that we've been approached about, and the logistics of, to getting cycling pigs to restaurants is a bit hard with our processor. But it is something that we're working on now. But I, I do think we do have we do have pork and suckling pigs going into restaurants through through butcheries that we supply pigs to. Tell us about the eating quality of these pigs that have such an amazing life on the farm. Um, what sort of impact does that have on it, and what is the eating quality of your pigs? Well, I've always I believe that the environment enhances how the how the pork tastes, and especially when there's some grass around, and we incorporate a lot of cropping into the into all of our pigs' diets. So like right right now, we've got a, a lot of oats. There's probably eight acres of oats there that we're going to be grazing. Our grower pigs are going to be grazing and one of our dry sour paddocks are going to be grazing, etc. and also at the moment our weaners. So especially a sown crop like that, I really, it really changes the flavour of the pork and it kind of makes it a little bit more lean and a bit less porky, I, the best way I can describe it. Um, how it it tastes to myself when I compare a, a, like a pork grown in a shed to a pork to a pork grown in a paddock. How do you like to eat your pork? Is there a specific cut or cooking technique that you prefer? Yeah, probably one of the favourite things for myself would be um, pork schnitzels boneless crumbed. That'd be my favourite by far. But then. Pork's pretty good in general, in my, my opinion. <laughs> Pork farming is pretty challenging. Do, do you have any sort of strange or funny stories of uh, the life of a pig farmer? Some pigs can really, really, really test their patience. We've had some very, very cheeky and naughty sows. Like we've had sows, like where our sows give birth for their raw, um, small like house block size area for, every, for per farrowing shelter for every sow to have a few 
about about a thousand square meters of room per shelter, and the electric tape keeps in ninety nine percent of the pigs. But there's like two out of a hundred sows that think they're deers and can jump over um, three foot of electric fence, and um, it makes you very cranky as a farmer trying to keep them in the pen. But um, yeah, pigs are pigs are very hard to move around, especially smaller pigs like. Um, we drafted wiener pigs here on Sunday and it took us two hours to get 300 pigs out of a crop of oats. That was probably almost as high as me. So if I'm six foot, it'd be at my chin level, I think, some parts of it. And pigs are like that. They're very, very smart. At the top of the show, we talked about how you um, received your first piglet at quite a young age. What is it about pigs that fascinates you? Um, I was always very interested in farming as a kid. and um, Probably when I was under 10 years old, I knew I wanted to be a farmer. I just didn't know what I was going to do. And um, I've always liked being a bit different, I guess. And there's something that drew me to the idea of buying a pig. Like I've never, I never, I never really even stepped foot on a proper piggery before I bought my first pig. It was just an, it was just an idea that they come to me. But then, like I said, there's a lot of farming in the family, probably like 100 years behind me. Um, my dad's side comes from Malta, and my, my, my grandfather had pigs, my great-grandfather had pigs, my uncles had pigs. Don't know if it's just in the blood, something, something that comes to you, but um, you know, I've always been attracted to agriculture from a kid. You mentioned that um, butchers um, in New South Wales and ACT carry your product. How important is a good butcher and, and how do you make those connections? Um, well, it's, all, it's the basis of what, what we do here with no clients. Uh, we've got no farm. But um, probably half of them we've approached over the years and then like now yeah, we haven't approached anyone in a while and there's a list of butchers that want what we're doing um, and it's a real, it's, it's real, it makes it very hard. We got we got existing clients wanting more, more more and more pigs every week, and then we're trying to start other clients, and it just makes it very hard. But um, yeah, there's no there's no shortage of clients wanting um, free range pork at the moment. How has growing pigs changed your life? I don't know if it really has. Like I've always kind of knew that nothing's handed to you, and it's a very good example in, in pigs. In pigs, you've got to put a lot of work in to get anything out of it. They're very very demanding. And kind of the hours, hours you put into it is what you sell, really. Your product is found in some of the best butchers in New South Wales and ACT. What do you love about what you do? I love being a, a part of agriculture in general because it's one of the import, the most important industries in the world. Uh, food production, and I just really enjoy it. There's um, we work virtually every day of the week, long hours, and you have to really enjoy what you do to do to be in any farming enterprise, I believe. We've built this amazing um, brand, and um, what's next for you? Uh, expansion. We just want to grow and grow and grow, to be honest. We'd like to become one of the largest family owned figures in Australia, eventually, or completely free range. Well, David, it's amazing to hear your story and have you on the crackling today. Um, good luck with uh, the mission, and uh, please keep in touch, and we'll catch up again soon. Well, mate, thank you. Appreciate it. This is The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. I'm Anthony Huckstep, 
Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.